please uh, let's say this from the heart. It's so important. Uh, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious nor did I turn away. Amen. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Wonderful. Tonight, I just want to remind you things from scriptures. It's not going to be that deep. It's something you already know. But I got to remind you. Got to remind you. It's so important. Sometimes we forget the things that are truly, truly important. So tonight, I want to speak on, and I titled the message, Engaging the power of prayer and fasting. Engaging the power of prayer and fasting. You don't have to tell Christians to pray. When things get hard, they'll pray. Is this true? He He might not pray for a whole month, but when they're threatening to fire him, from work, he'll pray. Sometimes he'll pray while driving to work. He's scared. But we need to not only pray, but fast. That's the one that's missing among Christians. We have to fast. The Bible is clear. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray... Every Christian ought to pray. And you ought to pray every single day. It's when, not if. When you pray. He didn't say when you have troubles, pray. No. You ought to pray every single day. You need to spend time to pray before God. Some great preacher says, it's the staff with which you walk with God. Remember Moses had the staff? Yeah. That's the staff with which you walk with God. You ought to pray. Not if, but when you pray. That means God expects you to pray. You ought to pray. And in in, uh, Luke chapter, I believe, uh, which chapter is this? 18 verse 1. He He says it very clearly to us. Men ought always to pray. Men, if you are a human being, you ought to pray. God expects you to pray. You need to pray. That's your lifeline. But also, in the same chapter, verse 16, the A part, it says, moreover, when you fast. So a Christian ought to fast. Is part of your calling. Not if, when you fast. And you can read, in, especially when things are really tough. And, and you've tried everything and it's not working. And tonight, if I have time to finish, I'll tell you why this is so important. When things are really difficult and you don't see any way out. It's tough 
Satan is coming at you so strongly, and it seems there's nothing you can do. It's so difficult. Believe me, that's the time to fast. The people in the Old Testament recognized it. When they are surrounded, you know about Jehoshaphat, when they are surrounded and things are really difficult and there is nowhere to turn, it's not the time to just pray. You need to fast. And I'll tell you why that's important. You remember Jonah and Nineveh, right? God was going to destroy the city. And, 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 and I think, you know, I believe uh, Jonah came out from the mouth of a fish. They need to listen to him. <laughs> a fish vomited him. And if you were on the show, that man, a fish just vomited that guy. His clothes have eaten. And he's telling them, listen, God's going to destroy this whole place. He wasn't asking them to repent. He was sure God's going to destroy the place. And you had to believe him. You would believe a man if he just walked out of the mouth of a fish. And everybody was talking about it. But then the king says, hey, this is the God of Israel. He can be merciful. We should all fast and pray. And they all sat down and fasted. And guess what? The prophet knew. God's not going to do it anymore. That's the power of fasting. You remember it? You remember Esther? It's so important. I can't tell you how many times things have come at us and things are really difficult. And I know there is no way out of this. And you spend that time fasting before God and waiting on Him. And He answers. It's better than calling somebody for help. They can't help you. They really can't. They'll sympathize with you, but they can't help you. That's the time to spend time seeking God. Sometimes even when your heart is cold towards God, and you're analyzing everything, and you're beginning to be very critical, you're in real trouble. Satan has got you. You can find excuses not to be. You think it comes in natural. But when you find out something is not right, prayer alone may not help. That's the time to take a little bit time off to seek God. And God will really answer. I do remember when I came out of Africa, I know some, some people think it doesn't happen yet. But, you know, I knew there, were, there was oppression over my life, even though I knew God, there was oppression over my life from demonic forces. And I tried everything. I've been with ministers. They couldn't help me. It confused me. And it was hard to really make, make any progress towards God. I said, what can I do? I took off from campus. They can still remember it back there in Georgia. And I went for seven days. I rented a hotel room. I stayed for that in that hotel room for seven days. God didn't speak to me. I think when I got back, my friends asked me, did God say anything to you? Absolutely not. I heard nothing. But you see, down in my spirit, that was the beginning of the downloading of information into my spirit about the book I wrote. That was the beginning. I knew. 
As soon as I left, I left that room with some decisions concerning my life. And I started seeking God in a different way. And then all of those fears I had, they disappeared. I can't tell you how it happened. But those seven days, I still remember them till today. It's been several, a whole long, I was in Georgia then a long time ago. But it transformed my life. It's when you pray and when you fast. When things are really difficult, they're coming at you, you don't see any way out. Try some fasting. Now, I'm going to tell you about fasting, you know, I, I, I do it real rigorously. Even if he's missing two meals. I don't know, I'd like to tell you what I believe is going on here when you fast. You can fast from morning until night. And start the, the, same, the next day do it again. That's also fasting. I think in uh, other parts of the world, that's what most Christians do from morning to night. And they'll do that for a long time. Don't make excuses for it. If you have issues, maybe there is uh, an infirmity in your life. Then try it. Do what you can. You might find the infirmity of Go off your life. It's so important. Why do we pray? And then I'll talk about why we fast. Why do we fast and pray? Why? The Bible tells us in Psalm 74 verse 20, Have respected the covenant. Now, he's speaking to God. There is a covenant between you and God. And you're crying out to God when things are happening to you. Believe me, when things are happening to you, they're usually contrary to the covenant. They're usually contrary to what God wants for you. Remember, Jesus declared, he said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So when I'm not having abundant life, that's not God's fault. But I have a new covenant with God. All things work together for good, the Bible says, and will be heard and not tell something is not right. And so you cry out to God, telling God, have respect to the covenant. Remind God, you know, the God says to remind him. Tell God, have respect for the covenant that you have with me. And hopefully I get to that place. It's not your fight. The fight has been before the world began, before we were created. It's fight against the enemy. Who is God's enemy and is attacking you because he hates God and wants to stop you. Satan doesn't care about you. That's not the real fight. He's trying to fight God. He can't get to him, but he can get to you. And that's the way he gets to God. God's always on your side. If God be for us, who can be against us? God's always on your side. But when the enemy is coming at you, then you need to remind God because you have a covenant with God and God doesn't forget his covenant. He sometimes he'll choose not to remember. You can read in Exodus, he told Moses, he says, I hear their crying and their, their pain and now I remember that my covenant with them. And I am come down to do something about the covenant. So, have respect to the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of haunts of cruelty. 
So there is Satan all over causing so much problem for people. And if you are in, on the earth, that's going to influence your life. And the only deliverance, the only hope you have, the only covering you have, the only way out of it, the way of escape, is to be under the covenant or the covenant operating in your life. Once God's covenant is at work in your life, Satan can do nothing about you. But you have to remind God. The scripture here, this individual was crying out to God, have respect to your covenant. Because the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. We ought to pray. In James chapter 5 verse 13, it says, if any, Is any of you suffering? Are you going through unnecessary suffering? What he said to do? Pray. Pray. Let him pray. And if you're cheerful, then sing a song. But Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 tells you, this is about prayer. Let us therefore come, how? Boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Yes, there is a throne up there. It's the throne from which you can obtain grace. But you have to come. You have to come. When things, and not only when things are bad in times of prayer come, but especially come when things don't make sense. To remind the one who is sitting on the throne of grace to remember his covenant. Let us therefore come boldly. You can come boldly. You know why? Because you are a covenant child of God. You cannot be refused. The veil was torn from top to bottom, right? And you can walk in there because you are a covenant child of God. And every time you come in, you got blood all over you. You got the blood of Jesus all over you. And you have audience with the one sitting on the throne, the throne, the mercy seat. You have audience with him. So God says there is no need to be afraid. You're not going to die. You live. And your troubles will disappear. But you need to come into the holy place. In the Old Testament, it was just the high priest that could go. And if the high priest is uh, accepted, then the glory cloud, right? The glory cloud. And everybody's clapping and rejoicing because they were, the high priest was able to go into the presence of God. And God accepts his, his presence in there. And now the whole, everybody is at peace, release, joy, passing food from one another. Yeah, it's the same holy place. The holy of holies. You come boldly to the throne of grace. And you you accepted. That means your troubles will vanish away. He says that you may obtain mercy. When you come, it's to obtain mercy. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. No matter how badly you've acted towards God or towards your fellow men and have seen, when you come to the grace of God, the throne of grace, you obtain mercy. But not only that, you find grace. Grace is God's enabling power that's at work in your life and is at work all the time. But when troubles come in at you, it seems as if the grace is not there. But you can obtain it when you go into his presence that you might 
find, obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. But you need to come. You need to come. You need to come and you come boldly. You come boldly because you know you're welcome. And God will answer. So that's why prayer is so important. That's why Jesus said, I mean, the Bible, Job tells us, a man born of woman is a few days full of troubles. I mean, you're dealing with some troubles right now. If you don't put your hand, you're dealing with something. It's something that's coming at you. But we don't mind that. We mind the one who is above trouble. And God can deliver us. So you can always find help to meet in times of need. Let me show you how we pray. According to scriptures. How we pray. The one who is sitting on the throne. He's the judge of the whole world. Is the judge of the whole world. And if you read in the Old Testament, it's like going before the judge to obtain justice. Jesus gave us that in the parable in Luke chapter 18, right? He told us about this unjust judge, right? And he says the judge, God is the judge. He is sitting on the throne. And you are a covenant person. Guess the book of the law. This is the book for your case. If you go to the court and you don't know the book, the law, you're not going to have anything. No justice. You go before a judge with your lawyer and your lawyer better be prepared or you're going to jail, right? You may be on the right side, but if you don't know the law, It's not going to work. You go before God and you plead your case based on the covenant. And you cannot be denied because you are on the right. You plead your case. Don't take my word for it. It's there in scripture. You plead your case before him. You know, Abraham said to the Lord before before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he was pleading. And he said this, he had his own argument with God. He said, What if you're going to destroy the righteous with the sinners? You know that scripture? Genesis 18. You're going to do that? And what if you got 10? You know, he started 50, and then he came all the way down, right? He was pleading his case, merely trying to save Lot. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this. He's telling God, you can't do this. Amen. You can't do this. I know you're God, but you can't do that. That's not your nature. That's not your person. Have respect to your covenant, right? Remember your covenant. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked? You can't do that, God. That's not your nature. How are you going to do this? So that the righteous should not be as the wicked. 
far be it from you. And then he asked God, shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? Amen. He's telling God. And God says, I'm not going to do that. He says, what if you got 50 people? And he kept going down. And then when he thought he had it, he says, okay, I'll stop here. Permit me to speak one more time. Okay, one more time. What was he doing? He was pleading his case before the judge of the whole earth. And then Jesus gave us in Luke 18 that that's what we do. You go to him to obtain justice. Because what you are experiencing is contrary to what the covenant says. And so you pray and you bring your case before him. You know, in Hosea chapter 14, verse 2, he says, take words with you. Amen. Take words with you. When you go into his presence, take words with you. And return to the Lord. Say to him. Amen. Take words with you. When you go back, when you go into that holy place, it's time to talk to God about what you know out of the law and who you are and who God, the one that God has made you. And you can say, you know, I am the righteous. Pastor Roy talked about that tonight uh, from uh, Psalm 5 verse 12. Oh Lord, you will bless the righteous. You will surround the righteous with favor as with a shield. Hey God, I am the righteous. And see, that's what you said. But I don't see the shield. Let me, I got to have justice. That's what he's saying. Take words with you. In Isaiah 41, verse 21 says, Present your case. Says the Lord, present your case. Bring forth strong reasons. And so, when you go before God, take words. Everything that you do, you got to back it with scriptures. When you go to God and you have audience, you know God will have audience with you based on his word. If it's contrary to his word, you can pray all you want. God's not going to go against his word. You remind him of his promises. That's what they did in the Old Testament. You remind him of the things he has spoken. You remind him, this is what you said, God, and what I'm experiencing is contrary. And then if there is a problem, he'll let you know. This is the reason why this is happening. That's the next part we're coming to. It says, present your case. Say to the Lord, bring forth, uh, says the Lord, bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Jacob, that's us, children of God. That's what God says. And in Isaiah 43, it says, Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case. State your case before God. State your case before God. You can read how Jehoshaphat dealt with God. That's another message. But first of all, he reminded God. Didn't you say this? Are you not the God of everyone? Did you hear what that man said against you? He was telling God. And God says, okay, I heard you. Okay, I'm going to do something about that. 
You think he didn't know what was going on? He didn't hear? You saw how Ezekiah took what was written and said, Okay, God, this is what they wrote to me. You read it. Remember that? Stating his case before God. That's the way to present our case before the Father. And every time we come through the word like that, God responds. God will respond. This doesn't sound like you, God. Your word says, Isaiah 54, you will not permit me to suffer shame. Shame is about to come on my family. So you cry out, God, that doesn't fit what you said. And you are not a man that you should lie. And you are not the son of man that you should go back on your word. If you've said you would do it. And God, look, you said it. He's not going to say, well, I said it, but uh, this time it's a little different. That's not God. That's not God. He hears you. When we call. That's what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 18. If that unrighteous judge is going to give justice, what about the judge of the whole earth? God himself. He will answer. God will answer. That's why I believe Jesus is always, will always say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Especially after you've stated your case to him, he says, let go of the fear. God's going to take care of the problem. It's so important. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case. That you may be what? Acquitted. That's the way God deals with us. But let me go from another, to another angle here. What's the purpose of all of this? Does it mean that if you just pray, God will automatically answer if you do all of these things? The real thing is praying and fasting is pleasing to God. Right? Praying and fasting, that's pleasing to God. But God has never said in the scriptures... That this is what pleases him. It's pleasing to God. We ought to do it. But there is only one thing in the scripture that moves God. There's only one thing that moves God. Not fasting. Not prayer. There's only one thing that pleases him. Faith. Faith is what pleases him. Faith, that's what pleases God. Faith, that's the purchasing power of every believer. Faith. Faith will produce every time. Faith will produce everywhere, anywhere. The same faith, the same result. I don't, it doesn't matter why, whether he's here or in Africa or anywhere in the world. Every day, faith will produce. Faith is what God responds to. 
And tonight, if I have time, I want to connect faith and your prayer and fasting. Because that's what is important. There's only one thing that God responds to. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Impossible means it cannot be done. Without faith, if I don't have faith, you can have a lot of prayer, you can have a lot of fasting, but if there is no faith, God's not moved. There is only one thing that moves God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So faith is what God requires. I can pray all I want. Some people will fast for weeks and they got nothing. Fasting is important. I'll tell you why. We'll go back why that is important. Uh, because it's really important. And he's repeating myself about how important this is, okay? <laughs> he's so important. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes, the Bible says, come boldly, right? To the throne of grace. For he who comes to God must, it's imperative. You must. You must believe. You must believe that he is. First of all, know the person you're dealing with. How awesome he is. How nothing is impossible with him. And that, yes, he is God. And can take care of that problem. No matter what it is. And that's why Paul asked in, in, in Acts, why should anyone think it incredible that God raises the dead? So you know the God. You must believe. When you come presenting your case, you must believe that He is, that He is God. He is not a man that He should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said, he'll do it. If he has spoken, he will make it good. You must believe that he is that God who cannot go back on his word. And you take words to him. You must believe that he is. And then another, and believe that he is. And that's a conjunction. You put the two together. And you have to believe also that he is a rewarder of those who what? You see, that's one of our problems. Have you ever read about a double-minded man who receive nothing from God? That sometimes it's not just double-minded in sense. It's the way God sees you. The way you relate to him. Sometimes hot. Sometimes cold. Off and on. Inconsistent. That should bother us. Inconsistency with your devotion to God should bother you. 
And God forbid that you don't even know something is not going, something is going on. It's, it's over for you then. I think, you know, they saying that, you know, we're all going to heaven. A lot of people are just not serious with it. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That means you have to seek him. Sometimes I talked about when God is silent. Sometimes he's, he's watching. Because God has to be sure he can trust you. That's so important. He'll try to see if, if, you, if you are consistent. He did it with Abraham. He said the Lord tested Abraham, right? And God says, now I know. I thought he knew everything. He made Abraham, right? He should know. But he doesn't experience it. When you show consistency with him, that's so important. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you have an issue, you seeking God and you're not going to quit. You seek God because you know who he is and you know what his word says. And you know he's not going to go back against his word. He's not going to go against his word. So you stay and you're diligent. Asking him and he will respond. No doubt about it. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord that's been double-minded. You know. You know. You believe God. And you're trusting in him. Faith is a function of revelation. Faith is a function of revelation. It's hard to see something and not believe it. Because once you see it, you know. And nobody can convince you against what you know. You know. Your faith is based on revelation. And that's why the Bible says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 13, the sower went forth to sow. The one who didn't understand what was spoken, Satan came and took the word off. Stole it so he brought no fruit. Because, as Jesus said, because he did not understand what was spoken, Satan took it away from him and there was no fruit. But when you understand what was spoken, you have faith. And Satan can't deal with that. So your faith is a function of revelation. The revelation that you have. Let me put it this way. Your faith gives you an understanding of who God is and the fact that God is going to do something about this situation. 
when when um, Jehoshaphat fasted, right? They fasted. The whole nation was fasting, crying out to God. And after he got through saying that, guess what? Revelation came. A prophet spoke. A prophet spoke. He said, don't worry about this. This is not your fight. God's going to fight for you. Oh, just appoint singers, right? Remember that? They're coming up with soldiers. But God spoke. They heard a word from God. And the king was no longer worried. He had heard from a prophet of God. Revelation from God. Revelation from God. When Daniel fasted 21 days, right? He was fasting and then what happened? An angel showed up and gave him words, right? Revelation from heaven. That's what you get. And revelation brings faith. Revelation gives you faith. You know why the centurion, let me try to explain this. You know why the centurion was regarded as the man Jesus said, never found faith like this in Israel. You know what he had? Spiritual understanding of how the word works. That's only that. That's why his faith was so strong. Jesus, Bible, let me read it to you. The centurion, Matthew 8, verse 8, beginning from verse 8, it says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. He had the full understanding. He had the revelation. He didn't say, I have faith. Just speak a word. He had the understanding of how the word works. That's what he had. He said, you just speak a word and my servant will be healed. He stated what he knew, what he understood. He says, I know you're the son of God. You just speak the word. I know how this thing works. He had revelation. And guess what Jesus said? He says, when Jesus heard this verse 10, he marveled. (laughs) He marveled. This man shocked the son of God. He was amazed. And said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Well, the man didn't say I had faith. He just had understanding of how the word works. Speak the word. And I don't need to bother you. You don't need to step from where you are. I understand how this works. I'm under authority. You speak the word. And my servant, he had revelation. That's what his faith, Jesus translated his revelation to faith. Great faith. Not in Israel. Not even from Abraham. Why? Not in Israel means from the time of Abraham all the way down. No one had this understanding. But this Gentile did. And you know, Jesus made a pronouncement. He says, you know, that day is going to come. And there will be people coming from different parts of the world. And they'll sit with Abraham. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He had to be convinced with 
uh, some animals with sheep coming down for him to go to Cornelius' home. He didn't understand. But Jesus was already saying it already. Just because of this man's faith, he pulled it out of his, from the heart of God. And he revealed it to the world. Man is coming. His faith. But his faith was a function of his revelation, what he knew and understood. That's the key part of it. When you have revelation, you believe. You know the story of uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch? He was reading from Isaiah 53. <laughs> he couldn't believe. He didn't know what it was. Remember, he, he, he said, Philip asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand unless somebody explained it to me? And Philip took from the same scripture and opened the word. Right? As soon as the word was opened, Philip was still talking. The guy's eyes was all over the place looking for uh, 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 some kind of water for baptism. And he spotted one. He says, hey, hey, it's water. What stops me from being baptized? He says, if you believe. Right? The guy responded, I believe. I believe. He's got revelation. So he was baptized. Oh gosh, don't know how many times. But let me say this. Prayer. Prayer. Why prayer is so important. And fasting also. Fasting, what it does, it doors the flesh. Right? You're weak in the flesh. And because you're praying and fasting, your spirit is up. In that situation, in that place, you can better receive revelation. And you may not be aware of it, but faith is born. That's why when you fast, your Bible, right? Keep it by you. Find those areas from the scripture that address what you're going through. Okay? Your body is, your flesh is now weak, right? But your spirit is up. And can connect with everything spiritual. And then you can hear from God. And receive revelation. And that builds your faith. You remember John, uh, uh, no, 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 Jude one twenty. You remember that scripture? But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, how? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. So your faith, the, what really pleases God, you can pray in the Spirit. And energize your spirit to receive revelation for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who would you believe? Somebody telling you something or you telling yourself something. Right? When you believe, you think you're talking to yourself. But it's the spirit of God speaking to you. And your faith rises. Your faith rises. 
When a man receives revelation, it's like receiving light. It's the light that lights every man that comes into the world. It's like light. And I'm going to close with this because of time. Isaiah 58 verse 6. He says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? <laughs> Your fasting is to break every, not some yoke, to break everything that's hindering you. And then look at what happens in verse 8. Then your light shall break forth. Light will break forth. Your understanding will break forth. You know what's going on. Revelation is given. And you can be free when God speaks to you. Your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing, your healing shall spring forth speedily. You see, just light, when you got light, there's healing. Once your eyes are open, you remember the scripture, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Once your eyes are open, nobody can keep you bound. And during that time, the Holy Spirit brings light, the word of God. The Bible says the entrance into God's word brings what? Light. And once faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so when your faith hooks up with light, you're free. You're free. Then your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rare God. You are protected, surrounding you with favor as with a shield. I think the church, we do a lot of things, but we need to engage the power of fasting and prayer. We pray, but try a little fasting here. If, if things are really difficult, try some fasting. I'm not talking about, yeah, you can fast. There's uh, other benefits that come from fasting. You lose weight. <laughs> But that shouldn't be your focus. That's extra. Okay? But try some fasting. Things can change very quickly. When Esther fasted, things were very hard for the Jews. They could, everyone could have been killed. But just fast. Esther was very scared. But after the fast, she could care less. Do you know what that is? Faith. I I better quit. Okay, I better. I was going to go to two sides of faith. Just like your coin, there's the head and the tail. There is the faith and the believing. But stand up. I'm going to stop there. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. It's going to be another time. It's, it's, It's finally, and then another finally. That's preacher syndrome. (laughs) Would you lift your hands up? I pray that God has spoken to you tonight. Uh, We're having, please don't leave tonight. We want to take the chairs out, especially the guys. 
except for Larry. He's <laughs> we're taking the chairs out because of the conference, the fire conference. And if you haven't registered for the fire conference, please register. It's $25. If money is the issue, let us know. We want everybody to be at the conference. I, I always believe when I hear the word, raise your hand up, it's like they're giving you a command. No. Please understand, every time you raise your hand, Isaiah chapter 1 tells us, God's bound to look towards you. I don't understand it, but Paul says, men everywhere should lift up holy hands without fear and without doubting. That's what Paul said. Men everywhere. So I need you to raise your hand to God tonight and ask for grace that God will speak to your heart that whatever is happening in your life, you must believe and know that if you spend some time fasting, doesn't matter if you're sick or it's financial issue or there's somebody in your home that's suffering, you can fast and God will hear from heaven. Fast until God releases you. Not a religious thing. Fast and pray and God will answer from heaven. Father, we thank you for the grace that we receive from, the, from your throne of grace and the mercy that we have obtained because we came boldly into your throne of grace. Thank you, God. Lord, there are things that you've told us to do for our deliverance. The work is finished. Now we have to go and take this poor Thank you, Lord, that you have granted us grace to do just that. Grant us grace based on your word today because your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fill our hearts with faith to do what you've called us to do so that we can do exploits on the earth. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.